Welcome to the Life Change Podcast. Panhandle Weight Loss Center is a unique surgical practice focused on changing lives. Our approach moves away from the singular goal of weight loss and encompasses one of overall health and wellness. This podcast explores a variety of topics inside the realm of health and wellness, including nutrition, fitness, lifestyle issues, and even surgery. The goal of this program is to inspire listeners to take a critical review of your life as we guide you towards a paradigm that translates to life change. Hey guys, uh, welcome to this episode of the podcast following, or do we want to put a date with this? Because uh, no telling when Chelsea will release it. <laughs> I wouldn't put a no date. No dates. I was going <laughs> to say the me. day after Easter, but <laughs> I won't say the date. Yeah, okay, that? great. Okay. A few days so, after. So I don't know when you'll be listening to this, but here, here in the current time, it's the day after Easter and... <laughs> Um, getting back on track with things. And so this this uh, episode was going to cover the topic of surgery being your last resort. Uh, so challenging topic. I think it's in a lot of people's minds when they think about weight loss surgery, even after they've had a consult with us, um, talking to their family and friends. So that's where we're going to dive in, see where it goes. Dive in. Blue. I love it. What are your thoughts? Uh, So y'all sprung this on me right at the last (laughs) moment. So I told them I just let whatever comes out of my mouth. And we're looking forward to it. So I think the thing that uh, I've realized just lately and even in my own life is on my own health and wellness journey, I was insulin resistant and I didn't know that until about a year ago. And it took me a year to reverse that. And what I've realized is how we go, we get metabolically deranged or metabolically broken and it takes time to heal that. And so, for example, all the patients that I sit down with, they've been, they've got all these medical issues that has happened over the years because of how they've ate Mm -hmm. lifestyle and that they've tried traditional diet programs and it's not working for them. And so I think there is a point where it's so discouraging that I see surgery as one of those things that it is not the magic bullet that can instantaneously reverse things, but it can accelerate and help that improvement of the metabolic hormonal issues that are at hand, but go it has to go hand in hand with cleaning up the diet implementing really good health and wellness strategies to reverse it. And so, yes, I think it, it it's a great tool, but it has to be, it has to be with the lifestyle. One other thing I just want to add is it's just, I don't want it to be a discouragement to patients, but when we have lived a hard life with bad habits and bad food choices, that it can just do so much damage that really takes time. And it's not, there is no quick fix in life, I'm realizing. Mm-hmm. So right. I think that's my my two cents on that as yeah. an introduction. Okay, great podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, no. um, kind of a couple of things that uh, were kind of going through my mind with the talk in there is uh, taking time to explain insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think the average person, I didn't uh, know particularly what insulin resistance meant health and wellness wise until, what, five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so that means the majority of my medical career, I didn't know yeah. uh, what that meant. We never test for it. Yeah. Um, and then also uh, the, kind of the, the, the thinking behind this podcast title for me was just the modern medicine's approach to your health, wellness, and weight. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, I'm the general practitioner. I've been seeing you for the past 10 years. You've been accumulating pills and medical problems and your weight continues to climb. And, you know, it's, oh, try to eat less and do more. Oh, maybe talk talk to Oprah, follow Oprah on podcasts and do some Weight Watchers. And here's this medicine. And, oh, hey, uh, your BMI is 50. It's time for the last resort. Yeah. Yeah. Like. So two things wrong there. Uh, I don't think surgery should be viewed as a last resort. Uh, and the second thing is a lot of things you just mentioned, you, a lot of people get so far behind the eight ball mm-hmm. that having you know, uh, good success or an easy road with surgery becomes difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were kind of my two thoughts behind the... So let's go back. Thing one I want to discuss is talking about insulin resistance, what it means for you, what how does that differ between diabetes yeah how do, you know what what explain let's dive into that term and i, cause I think yeah. this has a lot to do with weight, the last yeah. resort yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and i think something i've learned over the years is that uh obesity is a symptom of a bigger problem that's underlying so i, I liken it to this it's like a it's like a um iceberg okay that you may not see much on the outside, but underneath the water, there's this bigger problem going on. And that's that. So let me just describe insulin resistance and then how then weight is a symptom of all those metabolic problems that are going wrong in our body. So um, for example, Bo, you mentioned the patient that comes in and they've got all these issues, high blood pressure, eventually diabetes, but oh, what? Oh, by the way, your BMI is 50, which means you're 150 pounds overweight. Um, this started probably 20, 30 years ago in that patient's life. And one of the first things that, that can start happening is this progression along um, an impairment of glucose metabolism. So I think there's a quote the other day that almost probably 80% of Americans have some sort of insulin resistance. And so what it starts out is, is our body, whenever we eat some kind of carb, it has to sense how much insulin it needs, the pancreas needs to produce to keep that carb or sugar or glucose that gets introduced into our body, keep it in a very tight range. And when we consume unhealthy foods, such as a lot of sugar, a lot of processed carbs, a lot of vegetable oils, that it causes inflammation and it causes a lot of of excessive insulin and glucose spikes that over time, your body gets numb and desensitized to um, the ability to bring glucose back into the cell. And you start this this kind of this continuum of, of a little bit of insulin resistance a lot of insulin resistance, prediabetes, diabetes. The problem is in medicine is we only flip a switch when they cross this certain threshold of a hemoglobin A1C, uh, think of 6.2. 
I believe. Yeah, I think five, six to six, yeah. two is pre-diabetes. Yeah. That then we're all of a sudden, oh, we sound the red alarm. We got a problem, which, but the problem has been going on for years. Mm-hmm. I think the, the, the amazing fix there is that we put you on some medications to lower your blood sugar, but we also tell you to eat a bunch of sugary things, keep your blood sugar up. That's it. Yeah, it's an amazing <laughs> approach to the uh, care of a diabetic patient. Yeah, you fix the problem with more food rather than less medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have uh, missed the mark a lot in medicine. And that's the, the more I'm learning is is not to beat up on all of us as practitioners. We've just been taught, I think, a wrong logic. and uh, To treat the source rather than the correct. end product. Yeah. Um, well, you know, just kind of looking at uh, how do you know – if I'm the the average patient out there, person, am I? How, am I? Am, do I have insulin resistance? The answer my, is probably my, yes. My general, <laughs> my, <laughs> if, if my I, practitioner hasn't said anything to me about it. <laughs> well, I just use my. I, I've been living this world of of trying to eat healthy and having pretty good habits most of my life, and I was insulin resistant. And not to say that everybody is, but I would say the majority of people are. So I, the way that I diagnosed mine was um, there's a test called a, a HOMA, H-O-M-A, an insulin resistance test. It's pretty simple to check. Uh, also a fasting insulin, which is easy to check with a little uh, blood. Well, the HOMA is fasting glucose, fasting insulin, and A1C combo. Is that, that kind right? of that ratio of everything. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Chelsea and I have talked about this because uh, when she mm-hmm. first put her glucose monitor on, she's like, I ate a Snickers and I was completely <laughs> fine. <laughs> My she blood had sugar did resistance than me. <laughs> yeah. well, it, it scored yeah. it as an eight. I was really proud. Well, yeah. Well, you know, going back to the size. problem, the, 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 I think, uh, you know, having a high level of glucose in your bloodstream is obviously toxic. That's how you lose your toes and all your, mm-hmm. your nerves Organs. and your, uh, and your legs go numb and you have, you know, wounds that won't heal. But as far as all the other comorbidities that come with it, it's, it's the insulin production, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much insulin am I producing? Uh, because I, I think a lot of times we can get away with the things we're eating. Um, and, you know, hey, I'm not putting on weight. I'm not putting on weight. But then there's this threshold. like you. So your body's pumping out more and more insulin. Your glucose is fine. Uh, but your, your A1C is creeping up because that's looking at your long-term insulin production. And all of a sudden, you get to this breaking point, and weight just comes on, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was me. That's I, I kind of started getting this gut. All men get, you know, the mm-hmm. dad bod, dad bod, and uh, you think it's just the beer and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> and but it wasn't beer in me. Uh, but it was twenty pounds that I put on, and it's like whoa. And I started getting a little swollen, and I was like, something's not right here. And that's where. It, so here, in my case, I had insulin resistance. That was my underlying problem. And then weight gain started becoming the symptom. Mm-hmm. And and that's where a lot of patients there, you know, when you're now 100 pounds overweight, you've had <clears throat> these metabolic problems for a long time. And you can't just flip the switch and all of a sudden they improve. And so, yes, clean up your diet is going to help. But it took me a year mm-hmm. to reverse mine. And so 
that's that's where I guess surgery really does help some patients along the way. Well, and what you're talking <clears throat> about where it's like I was insulin resistant to begin with and then I started gaining weight and then usually that compounds your insulin resistance, right? You become more insulin resistant and then you get into this cycle. And that's how I like to describe it to people. And it is very hard to get out of that cycle just like on your own. Um, so we're talk about that a little bit. But I also think it's important to note that the reason why you can start gaining weight with this insulin resistance, insulin, and this is very rudimentary, but at the basic level, insulin is a hormone that promotes fat storage, mm-hmm. right? So the more insulin you have in the body, the more likely and the more like subject to storing fat your body is going to be. And so that's that vicious cycle you get into. It's, uh, well, you know, I was insulin resistant. I had more insulin in my body. So then I gained the weight and then I became more insulin resistant. So then I gained the next 20 pounds. And then a doctor got a hold of you. And then and yeah. added some more insulin. That's right. And <laughs> then you got diabetes and, and then you've got more insulin. <laughs> so it's, it's like a, it's definitely, I think it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. Um, so just kind of perseverating on this, this topic a little bit more. Um, I mean, I know, uh, looking back on my journey, uh, insulin resistance versus, cause the other, the other term there would be, would I say metabolically flexible? Um, so insulin resistance, carbohydrate dependence, then metabolic flexibility. And then if you go really far that way, then you talk about ketosis and things of that nature. Um, but you know, when I, when I first started changing my diet, I, I noticed immediately that 3 PM dip in energy went away. You know, you'd have lunch, you'd have this big insulin response. It would store all that because I hadn't exercised that morning. So my liver was still <laughs> full of glycogen. My muscles were full of glycogen. So every ounce of that sandwich I was eating for lunch went straight to my belly. Right. Yeah. Um, cause I was pumping out insulin you know, to keep that corrected. And then when I clean things up and then, oh, so when you, then you get that big pump of insulin, well, you know, what happens two and a half, three hours later, crash. Yeah, your yeah. glucose is in the <laughs> gutter yeah. and you're not metabolically flexible. So your, your body can't go to the fat and say, come on boys, time to burn and use his energy. So your, your body calls for it and it says, uh-uh, can't have it. So then, so then it's like 3 PM and I'm like hammering coffee <laughs> And then, uh, lo and behold, it comes time to go to bed. I'm all jazzed up from the coffee. And so now I'm sleeping bad. <laughs> Vicious uh, cycle. It's a, yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, it's our true. response to most of their problems creates other other problems, right? Yeah. So as soon as I cleaned up my diet, that went away. That uh, that 3 p.m. lull went away. I didn't have to drink coffee at, or hit a Red Bull or a Monster at, at 3 or 4 to make it to get home and be an attentive dad with my, you know, my wife and my kids. And so all that corrected and then then I was sleeping better because I didn't have coffee on board and so that was my thought on insulin resistance like that's how I knew I was insulin resistant and um that I had gotten better here's the hard part is this is honestly like uh training for a marathon um when you go to clean up your diet, when you're most of our patients, including me, was at this point of, all right, okay, I want to reverse this insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. So um, it doesn't happen overnight. I had to train my body to become metabolically flexible. So when I knew there was a problem was I decided I wanted to start fasting in the morning. And I remember um, 
when we did surgery on certain days, I always made myself eat because I wanted to have a clear mind. I had tried to fast and realized, you know, going to surgery, I was kind of funky, honestly. I and noticed. I mean, it was definitely. <laughs> so <laughs> no. so was it was something <laughs> that I, I realized I couldn't just not eat because my body did not have that metabolic flexibility to burn fat when I needed it and to get me energy. And so you have to train your body to do this. And it's not an easy thing. Mm -hmm. It And there's, to me, there's kind of a, I, I developed my own prescriptive way of doing that. First, I had to, I had to clean up the fats in my diet, the bad fats. Uh, I, every morning was using the coffee mate, soybean oil, sugar laden, vanilla. As every good farmer should. Yeah, poured into my <laughs> coffee. I mean, I loved my coffee. It was just beautiful. It was a beautiful part of my morning. The problem is I didn't know that I was creating an inflammatory bomb every morning. So I had to cut out all the vegetable oils, which was hidden in everything. And once I did that and I transitioned to more clean fats, and again, this takes time for everybody. Some people, it may happen sooner than later. Some people, it may be a few months. <clears throat> and then, then I started cutting sugar out. And, and as I started doing that, my body had cleaner fuel to burn. And I was able to you know, fast till about 10 o'clock. And I felt okay. Then 11 o'clock in the morning, then I could fast to 12 o'clock. And then eventually, I could get all the way till evening and even 24 hours. And, but it goes to show that it's just not an instantaneous, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna become metabolically flexible. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna reverse my insulin resistance overnight. It's a process. I did, I did that keto for a week, <coughs> didn't help. And that's, that's the whole problem, yeah. is, mm -hmm. is they're so ready metabolically yeah. broken that it takes time. Yeah. How did you feel when you first started fasting like longer? Horrible. <laughs> yeah. Headache, I think that's an important thing to know. Irritable. Um, it's like you're coming off caffeine withdrawals. Yeah. And now when you fast, let's say you do a 24 hour fast. I'm, I haven't eaten since last night. I feel great. Mm -hmm. um, and matter of fact, I won't eat till tonight at 6 p.m. just because. Way to um, rub it in. Yeah. I, <laughs> on the weekends, especially Easter, any <laughs> holiday, uh, we eat less than ideal. And I, I try to clean it up on Monday. And to what that's what I've realized is the only way to reverse insulin resistance in me now, okay, now that I have a clean diet, uh, relatively, is fasting. Yeah. So let's circle this all back to, well, I'm not going to do surgery. That's a last resort. Yeah. So now that we know that the year after year, if you're not changing your direction, this is getting worse, mm -hmm. right? And... You know, uh, I, I think a lot of times, uh, thanks to the 600-pound life and TV shows, which we weren't a part of, you know. Uh, <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, people walk away with, well, I'm not 600 pounds. Like, I, yeah. that, I mean, I, if I got to 600, that'd be my last resort. <clears throat> you know, I'd do that uh, maybe. But, I mean, what, do you, what are y'all's thoughts on, I mean, I know my thoughts, but I'm the podcast host, so I get to ask the questions. <laughs> I thought I was the host. Yeah. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> we'll switch seats. So, so here's, I think, I think the big takeaway to, to pass on to all the patients out there <laughs> is, number one, um, this is, if you have, if you're overweight, you obviously, there is no, no such thing as a healthy obese patient. 
okay? They're metabolically deranged. They're metabolically broken at some point, okay? Trying, trying to get us kicked off of Spotify? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm being honest. No. Uh, number two Tough love. Uh, is this process is, it takes a long time and a lot of work. And I would love to say that Americans have the mentality of doing this all on their own, and, and some do, and, and I applaud them. Um, but number three, I think the reality is we need probably every tool that we can to help us be healthy and live longer. And those tools are baseline, cleaning up the diet, getting rid of the sugar, getting rid of the vegetables, implementing really good strategy and health and wellness. But for some people, they look at their life and their, their mid thirties and their mom and dad had a heart attack at 45, they're going to need to do something. Mm -hmm. immediately. Mm -hmm. And if they cannot turn it around within six months to a year, they need to do something like consider surgery because here's what I've seen is, is all of us get so discouraged if we don't see results. We throw our hands up in the air and we're down the road another 10 years and we're on insulin and we are further uh, in a hole that we can't get out of. So I think intervening sooner than later, um, that's what I'm realizing is, you know, if you, for example, you're 50 to 75 pounds overweight, you've tried this for a year, it's not working, uh, you're measuring markers such as, such as insulin resistance, you're not doing well, reversing all that, then yeah, I think surgery is a great option for those patients sooner than later. Yeah. I mean, if I get to 150 pounds overweight, I'll, I'll, I'll seek out help. I'd say... My heart breaks because someone did not intervene in your life, whether it be a healthcare provider or a family member saying you need help sooner than later. Mm -hmm. What do you think holds people back? The because I, I hear I hear this a lot. Like, well, I never thought about doing this because I considered it to be cheating. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, you want to? I love that one. I get that all the time, yeah. and I actually try to tell people because I can I can sense it when they come in. You can sense that I'm a little bit ashamed to be here, mm -hmm. and there's really no shame in seeking help. You don't shame yourself for going to the orthopedic surgeon to get your knee fixed when you had your ACL torn. And this is similar. Um, but I think for so many years, obesity has been viewed as it's a disease for lazy people. And that's just wrong. not and, true. And people yeah. seek out yeah. surgery for vanity yeah. purposes. Sure, vanity purposes. Oh boy, this is a whole nother podcast I want to go on. It's no, discrimination no. against yeah. obese We got 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Pour into it. Yeah. Oh, I'd, 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 I'd I, I, you want to give me guess kicked off Spotify? <laughs> well, nah, I mean, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm time. just saying. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think this is to me one of our one of our generational or current uh, discrimination issues, yeah. whether it be health insurance sure. discrimination or whatever. But mm -hmm. this um, obesity is not a cosmetic or a disease of uh, willpower. No, nope. it is a disease of our modern food environment and the uh, what we've created as a unhealthy uh, system that um, we need to figure out solutions and solutions quickly or all of us are in trouble. Well, and it's complex, right? Obesity is arguably one of the most complex diseases out there, mm -hmm. which is why I think people struggle with it because you've got to find a practitioner that's willing to go there with you. Yeah. Um, but if you have surgery, and we tell all of our patients this, the surgery is the tool, but you still got to do everything else. You still got to do the nutrition, the exercise, the lifestyle. I mean, you still have to do all of that 
plus now you have a surgery that you're dealing with. And so if anybody is ever thinking it's the easy way out, it's definitely not. It's hard. It's tell, very hard. I tell people what you're, I expect you to actually work harder because you yeah. had surgery, mm-hmm. but, but it's because you felt like working harder. That's, that's, I mean, and to go back to the tool analogy, I, I, when I first started doing surgery, I came up, I started using a hammer or a shovel. Like if I, if I hand you a brand new you shovel, the hole that yeah. you dig with the shovel. Yeah. yeah. If, if I, if I hand you a, a shovel or a hammer, but you put it in your garage, like, mm-hmm. does that help you? Yeah. Cause I got, I got like five hammers and only one of them gets used. Right. <laughs> uh, but all I'm saying is it's still up to you to go get the hammer and the shovel to get for it to be beneficial to you. And these surgeries are the same way. So there's no, this is not the easy, you're not cheating. This is not the easy way out. And to me, if you don't evaluate all your options to, to help you achieve your goals, then you're, you're only shorten yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, and time is your enemy, right? Yeah. I think we've like touched on that, That's but the last last resort. It's all about time. <laughs> yeah, right? it is. Yeah. It's all about time. And kind of like we said, you know, we've got a lot of people who come in and they're like, "Well, I've done this diet and this one and this one and this one and this one. I've tried all of them, and they spent the last twenty years trying them, and they're at a place where, from when they started, they're probably forty pounds over that, you know. Yeah. And so, luckily, wrecked. Absolutely. Of and diets. you've done twenty years worth of damage to your metabolism. I think that's why it's important to not have that mentality of it's the last resort it's a tool that you could literally use at any point in that journey um i won't call out the primary care in our community that i love um but he has a saying to all his patients that um for example he brings up the option of weight loss surgery to them and they're like wait 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 wait. give me i want to try one more time and he goes so you've been struggling with weight how long uh 15 years and you've tried how many diets? Um, a lot. So what's going to be different this time? Mm-hmm. And that's uh, I just I think that you have to you have to realize you've got an issue, and you've got to realize that you need to make some drastic changes to get yourself out of this metabolic hole, or it's going to be the point where you're going to need knee replacement. You're mm-hmm. going to need uh, stents in your heart. You're going to need all these different things that you don't want to go down that road. And you just like what you said, the, the, the point I wanted to make on this podcast, this like, don't view weight loss surgery as the last resort, the, 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 the final salvo, the, the, the rescue operation. Yes. Surgery does benefit those patients and we can get weight off of them. We can add years to their life. But if you act before you before you get to those bad problems, you're gonna do even better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna not you're gonna have you're gonna have not lost the amount of time and uh, lifespan and health span that that you would lose if you if you I think I'm just talking in circles here. <laughs> uh, it's hard to articulate what I'm trying to say. But if you act earlier, uh, when you notice the trend is off right? Hey, I am trending in the wrong direction. I'm acting and the trend is not good. I need to take action now. Not, you know, when you get, well, I'll, I'll seek help when it gets really bad. Mm-hmm. Like that's to me, that's like the worst mentality. Mm-hmm. I kind of equate this blue and I've talked about this before. I, did, I trained in Gainesville, Gainesville, Florida, University of Florida. And we got sent over to Jacksonville, Florida to do ear, nose and throat. 
uh, uh, three month rotation, uh, do thyroids and mandible resections. And, uh, but this was like the, the South Georgia, North Florida referral pattern for skin cancers of the face, like advanced skin cancers. Mm -hmm. And so we were doing like bandable reconstructions, ear removals, eye socket removals. Um, so you can't believe patients get to yeah, that point. So they, they right, come in it and it's like stopped. this huge basketball Ugh. on their head. But what was their yeah. mentality? It's not a problem now. Like, yeah, you know, if it gets me. if it gets real bad, I'll I'll go seek help. Yeah. Oh, it'll go away. It, I I can do this on my own. Yeah. I can fix it. And then now you're having your cranium cut out along with your ear, eyeball, and mandible. Yeah. And it's like, why didn't you act sooner? Which right? would've, it would have been a completely uh, curable cancer. Oh, yeah. You'd, you'd have a small little scar, yeah. you know. Now now you're completely disfigured. Or, yeah. I mean, you, if you talk to any nerves and throat, you know, with you know, laryngeal cancers and, you know, it's just crazy stuff. People just kind of <clears throat> like, oh, I, I got this. Oh, that's that's cheating if I, if I mm -hmm. seek help. Um, anyway. And I think there's, I think people have a hard time admitting that they can't do it on their own. I think you've hit it. M me included. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because you all, you always want to think like, I've got this. You know, that's what the world kind of tells you. Like, hey, you can do it. Try harder. And then you exhaust yourself and every option. And you're nowhere closer to your goal than you were 10 years ago. So I think realizing and being honest with yourself can you do it yourself and really think about that and i think really honestly and truly most of the time the answer is no i the older i get i, I, I tend to think i'm accumulating some wisdom and it's um i got it's, more gray hair than you <laughs> <Impart> it's, <laughs> uh, it's that right there i used to be a very independent person um and and i when i put my mind to something i accomplish a lot but i realized it's more satisfying and more i've become a sharper person when I surround myself by people that and allow them to help me. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's throwing that mentality of it's okay to want to be independent, but not to your own detriment. Right. If you can get help and surround yourself by people that want mm -hmm. to help you, that's a good thing. Yeah. And you like we see those family members sitting in the room, too. They always want to help. Uh, you know, sometimes maybe they're not the best at doing the helping. <laughs> maybe they'll need a little coaching there. But I think that almost everybody has those people in your life, too, that are that are seeing the struggles that you have, like seeing how obesity is affecting your life. And they want you they want better for you because they do love you. And so you just have to be willing to kind of let down that pride and humbly say, hey, help me out. Like, be my accountability or go with me to that surgery consult um, so that we can see what those options are. And this is a whole nother podcast, but um, we talked about it this when we talked about the 10 pillars of health, but surround yourself by like-minded people. Mm -hmm. I'm realizing the more, and I, I use you as an example, Bo, that, um, you know, my health and wellness started when you started doing this. And when you go hang out with people that uh, you eat dinner with that want to eat healthy, um, you don't order the the, the, now, the, I wasn't the judging. crappy thing on the plate. <laughs> on the, on the, Don't put this on me. No, what I'm saying, when you go out to eat, uh, if I'm with, with people that are like-minded, I don't order the junk on the menu. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's we need to surround ourselves by people that want better for us. Mm -hmm. And so same thing with family. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, when my wife and I are jiving with health and wellness at home, our kids are jiving with health and wellness. When we're off the rails, the whole family's off the rails. I'm going to need some pointers on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's a couple more things. We got eight minutes left. Um, Now, going into this, we all talked about, you know, the patients that come in and say, well, I'll just do it on my own. Right. And I wanted to talk about that specifically because that was told to me by a patient that was three or four months post-op. They'd had a sleep. So we just we just talked the surgery up as it being a very beneficial tool that if used early in your health journey can be very impactful. It can impact if it's in the late stages of your journey too, but preferably in the beginning stages. So now let's talk about the, the limitations of the sleeve when it comes to the the this journey right i'm i'm gonna do it on my own i'm like well i mean the surgery's already been done and no part of us told you that this eliminated the need for you to to change Mm -hmm. and to 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 do to to input how do you handle those situations or what's your advice to those patients here's how i think of 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 life um Oh, this uh, is natural, to get deep. Uh, yeah, this is this is the <laughs> philosophy. So the natural disorder of life. I mean, that's nothing like I, I use, for example, my bedroom. My bedroom doesn't automatically become ordered. It becomes <laughs> disordered. Mm-hmm. Same thing with my life. I, I look at the choices that I make. It's usually tend to be by default the poorer choices. That's how it is. So Every week, I I start off great on Monday, and then as it goes into the weekend, it's poor and poor and poor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I reset things on Monday, commit to things, exercise, and making good choices. So I say the same thing after surgery: is I think we always need to surround ourselves with accountability, with like-minded people, with information. I think that this this realm is changing so quickly unlike the years past that i'm constantly every week tuning into different podcasts different books Uh, and so what we're hoping to do bo chelsea and i in our whole practice is try to disseminate that through things like this um, through uh, our nurse practitioners our pas Uh, and i think that patients need we hope that they continue to engage because that's what's going to help them continue to walk on this journey. Otherwise, if you stop right after surgery, you'll fail. Mm-hmm. I hate to say that. Yeah. This is a lifelong continuation <laughs> of commitment and it's every week. And so um, I hate to be so blunt today, but I'm just being real honest. <laughs> I like that's it. good. <laughs> I uh, we'll it with a, a cute story, uh, Birdie. We take turns praying at night for dinner, and every time it gets to Birdie's turn, it's kind of, it's been this. She gets in like three month patterns of saying the same thing, <laughs> and so the last three or four months is uh, uh, God, uh, Jesus, Jesus, pl- just please help us to stay on our journey uh, that you've laid out for us. You know, Amen. There you go, S- Amen, sister. <laughs> but if at six, like you got to stay on the journey, there. right? <laughs> you got to. It's it's not it's not the one time movement. It's not the one time diet. It's not the the. It's a continuation of the journey. It's a lifelong journey, and I think the the one I think the one downside to to weight loss surgery 
a, a, not a downside, but the one thing that can go wrong is when people treat it as that one-time intervention. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got surgery. Fine. The mm -hmm. magic pill. I'm good. Yeah. I, get, I, can, I don't need to change. But no, no, no. You. This is the bridge. This is the. This is a putting you back on the right journey. Mm -hmm. You have to continue to walk that journey. Yeah. In my opinion, it's a lot easier when you don't have to have all these. Like to me, eating comes down to two things: how much I eat and what I eat. Right. We're going to take one of those off the table for you. Mm -hmm. You're no longer, and people always ask that question, what if I stretch it out? I'm like, no, nah, sister, you cannot stretch it out. <laughs> you cannot stretch it out to where you are currently. Like, that's not going to happen. So when you get six months, one year out, and you're like, man, I think I'm eating too much. You're not. Uh, you still need to, you know, sorry about the phone, guys. Uh, circle back around and reconsider what you're putting in your body and mm -hmm. how your body is responding to it. Mm -hmm. And... For example, now I, I a little different thing. I say you may have a natural little stretch, but it's not. It's going to be fifteen percent or so. Yeah. But it's more if you're starting to put a lot of carbs and mm -hmm. sugar and those bad oils. That's going to slow your metabolism down, and it's going to increase your hunger, and you're going to eat more frequently. Yeah. And that's the vicious cycle patients get into. Mm -hmm. And again, that's that happens all the time in our lives yeah. we just kind of oh, we're feeling okay we can get away with um that brahms turtle blizzard or whatever <laughs> that i had this weekend you know nice. you like, did? wait a minute. yes yes i did you, that you give us a, i got a bad habit i got a break <laughs> you, you, it's on the route he's to go breaking his girls, insulin resistance my today girls up, uh, and it just uh, so I, I i confess i have these struggles like everyone and so i'm realizing it's a problem mm. what, what was the uh, <laughs> what was the glucose response I uh, had it off, fortunately. No, it'd have been one sixty at uh, least. And then it would have went like that for two or three times down to one twenty, one I mean it just it's crazy. Yeah. And then I sleep crummy. Yeah. You got uh yeah, I know we're trying to end it, but <laughs> the I follow a couple guys on Instagram, uh it's a guy and a girl, and it's not it's not the one that wrote the book about uh, you know, insulin monitors, but I mean their whole mission is to to set records on that thing. Oh and my so, goodness. <laughs> and they're, they're just, I mean, we, they're honestly, we don't to, advise this at home. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're honestly just trying to show people like when you eat bad foods, what does it do to your body? Um, but anyway, so I would I'll, think, I'll look here, up the, here's uh, what I would think. The one that would it be is you go into the movie theater, you get you a soft drink. So get you a Dr. Pepper uh -huh. or some kind of cherry lime with some hot tamales and a bag of popcorn that would probably that was my highest may, set a record may, that was my highest may just take you out in yeah the movie theater. <laughs> yeah when i when i wore a glucose monitor that was the highest i got it was at a movie theater do you want to uh, know what mine was oh. what? strawberry margarita <laughs> chips and salsa and queso i bet it was a skinny margarita too no it wasn't no, no. i don't order skinny margaritas <laughs> There's nothing skinny about them. And Don't you know that. how many people tonight, uh, on Monday afternoon, they're going to go and do exactly what you just That's did. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's my number one. <laughs> Strawberry margarita with little chips and salsa. <laughs> Such All a bummer, right. too. Gosh, it's so good. Oh. Well, we want to thank uh, Krauss Lawn Maintenance for, for providing the uh, mowing background and the noise. <laughs> uh, halfway through this podcast, luckily, they finished it pretty thank quickly. You, uh, but yeah. any final final words of wisdom? Oh, I'd, we, we got so many topics we can, we, we started down some paths that we could have talked about maybe more about the, uh, obesity as a, as discrimination. Yeah, we should sure. bring that one up. Um, so we got some other topics to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Reach out if you need help getting out of the cycle. That's what I would say. Yeah. 
okay. to someone, us, maybe, maybe it's a friend, family member, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I've, we've talked about this before. Uh, two fittest guys in the world I got to talk to and they both had the same answer to the key for being healthy and fit. And it was, it was community. Yeah. So you've got to, I know it's hard, but you've got to put people around you. You got to seek them out. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid. That's right. All, All right. right. Everyone have a good week. All right. Thanks guys.